So when you hear that phrase, connected educator, what do you kind of think that means? Is that all about classroom or beyond classroom? What are you thinking? Okay. So a lot of times we think about connecting our students. How do you feel about connecting yourself? Like, what does it mean for you to be a connected educator? Being involved and making sure you're up to date on all the technology. So you kind of have a good sense of some of the different tools and applications you can use. Cole, what do you think about that? I agree with that. I feel like it's more based on communications that we're talking to each other. Process. Okay. So, that's a really interesting question. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, I was in a chat and we were talking about networking. And I actually kind of made the comment that I feel like students today have a tougher time doing this, you know, where we're kind of talking to each other. But somebody said, well, maybe it's networking and it needs to change. You know, that blew my mind when all of a sudden they said, you're thinking of networking in terms of the world that you come from. Has networking changed? And I, I don't, I didn't know the answer to that question. You know, maybe networking has changed to the point that a connection online could be just as real as a connection like Wes and I just met, but we actually have met each other online a while ago. You know? I mean, that's kind of an interesting idea. What do you think about that, Doug? Uh, I think, like, the PLN, the, and I've started using Twitter as a PLN, and so I've met both of you online, and the first time I've met you face-to-face, and um, I just feel like it's a great way to rejuvenate and get excited about teaching and, and get great ideas from other people that is different than just being in a PLC at your building where you're working with the same people day after day, which is good. That's got its place, too. Mm -hmm. But it just expands it exponentially. Yeah, any other thoughts about that? Like the kind of the changing nature of beyond just your building, how you you connect with other people? You know, one question. Yeah. We have a hard enough time finding time. Have yeah. Yeah. Um, and and it's it's great. Great. Uh, and you set aside a time, or is it just more? Well, and if you're in a, if you're in like a specialist area like I am, I'm a library media specialist, I'm the only one in my building, I have two buildings, and so for us to be able to meet with the PLCs within our school is next to impossible, as is our ability to meet with each other, so, you know, it all has to be after school, and we can do that, but it's certainly not easy, and it's certainly not as regular as we would like it to be, so... I think that's a really interesting question, though, because I think that one of the things that I find with this PLN versus PLC discussion is one advantage you have because it's asynchronous. I can jump in at any point and get connected with someone, whether or not they're part of my scheduled 
PLC group or not, maybe maybe that's one of the hard parts about PLCs is you've got to have this time and place where you kind of get together and with the yeah. broader context, it's yeah. not okay. confined by that. Well, you say you're the only one in your building that says there's no one to collaborate with, then you can get online and find people. Well, and, and we've done chats like within our group, like in the evening, and we're discussing something. We used Mybe Campus to do it. This was last year. It was pretty yeah. fun, you know, like you can hang out in your PJs yeah. and have a conversation, you know? I mean, it's. Um, <clears throat> I'm a fourth and fifth grade STEM teacher, and yesterday we had fifth grade field trip to the Science Museum in Oklahoma City, so I actually had some time to go to our other building where there's another STEM teacher, and we got to hang out, but like, that's the second probably time all year you've ever done that. So for me, um, the, there's an app called Flipboard, and I, uh, I subscribe to other STEM teachers and have them in a list, and so I will, I will go to this, um, no, not every day, um, but I will, I will b- basically have this as kind of like the newspaper that I read, and by following those teachers and kind of seeing the stream of stuff, there's great ideas that I get, and and those have been things that I've shared with my kids. Um, <clears throat> we do something called Curiosity Links, which is just kind of cool news or videos or something with with a lot of times space, but any anything that's related to STEM. And so anyway, a lot of that has come from other teachers. So I definitely do also see the value of the local networking. But from a time standpoint, I do so much of this relative to the face-to-face. Because honestly, in our building, we provide the coverage for everyone's uh, conferences. And so we have no PLN in our building. We are the PLN coverage. Everyone else, you know, gets to meet and we don't. So this is my PLN, pretty much. I mean, there's a little bit of local. Yeah, and we don't have any STEM teachers either. We're really unique to have dedicated STEM teachers, and so yeah, it's uh, it's great to be able to make those connections and. Um, We've 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 been doing some Google Hangouts. We've probably done maybe three or four this year with other teachers. There's one in Maine, one in New Jersey. Kind of great ideas. We just did all this engineering design stuff <clears throat> that a, a teacher in Arizona had shared. So you know that kind of stuff. The lesson stuff is mm. the things that I'm has has directly benefited my kids the most from other teachers that will share lessons in it. Yeah, it's called Flipboard, and it's free, and it's on uh, it's on iOS, and it's on Android. And my wife teaches third and fourth grade, and I've helped her get on Twitter. And this has been the number one thing for her because she can consume. You know, she she doesn't have to post; she can yeah. see. But she's gotten a lot of ideas and found other people to follow because of Flipboard. So I, I think it's just a key ingredient for being connected because yeah. it, it allows your no no it. It's friendly. <laughs> it's it is. Pictures. Well, yeah. it's, to me, mm-hmm. Twitter's overwhelming. <clears throat> well, and this is overwhelming. You can see there's a lot of tweets coming into this, too. <clears throat> right. right. It kind of aggregates a lot of different <clears throat> right. stuff. Right, But it makes it visual. Right. And it, and it, uh, it, it makes it in, I mean, I, like I have a newspaper. This is, yeah. <laughs> you know, this yeah. is the, yeah. the PLN newspapers. So one question that I wanted to raise tonight, you know, 
I started a class for the Utah Education Network called the Connected Educator. And it was amazing to me when I first started, all the teachers that were taking it were curious about, like, the tools that we were using were a lot of the social media tools, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, things like that. And one of the big questions I got from a lot of teachers was, what, how are you using Twitter with students or how are you using Facebook with students? And the, the thing that I was trying to impress upon them in my mind is this term connected educator is more about how you are connected sometimes versus trying to always connect to the kids. I, I think one of the things I just heard you say, Wes, is that you're showing the kids the ideas, but it's because you're connected with others that you're getting those ideas. And I share with them I got it from Twitter. Yes. And, I, and that's part of, like, they're fourth and fifth grade, so, yeah, are some of them on Facebook? Yeah. yeah. They're probably not supposed to be, but but I'm showing the value of that, and I'm talking about that because I, it's something that not a lot of our teachers are doing. And, I, and there's just so much value to that side of it. So a question that I wanted to raise to the group for just a minute is, part of the being a connected educator is trying to find resources for yourself. What are some of the ways that you guys are doing that? Maybe uh, including personal, right, within your buildings, but also beyond your buildings. How are you connecting with other educators? You mentioned library media. You mentioned, you know, AP... Uh, government wasn't, I can't remember which class, but world history. But how are you connecting with other educators from uh, not just within your building, but beyond your building? Do you have go to's that you guys use? And kind of maybe you could share a little bit about how you're doing that? Yeah. Okay. Extension yes. people know. Basically, all I know. Yeah. Um, one of the big tools that I really clued into last year, and now this is confession time here, uh, I've been on Twitter since 2007. When I was preparing to come here last year, I saw Wyo Ed Chat for mm-hmm. the first time. And we didn't have a Utah Ed Chat, where I, you know where I'm from. And it blew my mind, the ability for educators in Wyoming to connect with each other. Del, you're pretty active in that. You wanted to share a little bit about that with everyone? We're on you're doing a session on I'm sure. Yeah. Against yours. Against one of yours, so. Oh, well, you don't have to go to it then. Just share it all right now. And it's on how to do YO Ed Chat. And I didn't start using Twitter until the last year's YTEC in Green River. I had a Twitter account but had never used it. And then James got me started and started doing the YO Ed Chat. And it, the first time you go on, you're overwhelmed. It's just so fast, people are answering questions. It's question answer format. But then I learned to use feedback instead of Twitter, and I could slow it down, and I had to learn that you don't have to read every single tweet, you can just get every third one or whatever. But it's Sunday nights at 8 o'clock, and it's not just people from Wyoming. There's always people who say, I'm from Canada, can I join in? Sure. There's some of our folks that come in, too. And then there's West Ed Chat, that's Wyoming, Utah, South Dakota, North Dakota. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know about that one. um, Like, once a month. It's on the third Wednesday, I think. And a different state. 8 p.m. Mountain. Moderates each time. That's really cool because that's the kind of get together that's totally not well. Even your Wyoming Ed Chat, you wouldn't get with those folks geographically. But. No, and <coughs> yeah, yes, yeah, that's on Tuesday night. <laughs> and it's everybody's so welcoming and friendly, and um, 
sharing links to their own work and, and other things that are working for them. And it's just, it's every Sunday it's like, oh, now I'm ready to go to work Monday. Before that, I was like, oh, Monday? And then, oh, I can't get to work. Rich gets all hers out. So have it, uh, is Dale the only one that's participated in that? Have any of the rest of you tried that yet? Yeah, Angie and Darren. Yeah, I read it, but I don't. Yeah, and you know, one of the things that I think is really important about most social media tools, a lot of people are really worried that they have to be a creator. Like, oh, I've got to go in and I've got to share my stuff, right? And sometimes we're just not at that point yet. We're, we're in kind of what Wes was showing, curating, right? We want to grab yeah, the other lurking, people's stuff. The lurking and the yeah. stalking. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm just in, consuming. I just want to be able to find great resources and see where they're at. And I think that's where all the social media kind of starts. Like when I'm teaching teachers to use these tools, I do not say, you know, this is your chance to share your voice with the world. I always start with, this is your chance to find other people who have such great ideas and bring them into your network and pull them together. Because the one thing I've noticed about social media, and I, I love using this analogy, but, you know, when we grew up, they always said, sit next to the smartest person in the room. But what I've learned in the last year is the smartest person isn't usually in the room. I mean, it's really rare that you have the smartest person in your subject in the room with you and you can just learn from them. So we have to find ways to expand who we learn from, right? Um, and I'll say this about the chats. The chats, the first time you go in, it'll totally overwhelm you and you may not want to go back <laughs> because it's fast-paced and a lot's going on. But the one thing that I, I will stress about the chats that I found is it's not as much about the technology as it is about the pedagogy. You know, usually you come to a conference like this and that's where you hear about it first. But I really believe that if more curriculum directors and those kind of folks saw the power of these tools to share content and curriculum resources, it wouldn't be the technologists pushing this. It would be the curriculum directors pushing this. Well, and one great thing that happened Montana started, or was the first place I heard about it, and now you can get PTSD credit for doing YOA chat. Seven times you go, and all you have to do is fill out a really simple Really? That's yeah. great. It's awesome. That's I've, really I've great. And, I got uh -huh. to go to the and who's giving that credit? It's the State Department. That's fantastic. Yes. I'm going to take that back to Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> Montana did it first, and then um, the people in Wyoming said, hey, we should see if we can do that too. So and so you go to seven, and then what is the credit? And each time, and you after get one each credit. time, you have to put in your name and... Um, like a little then, one, it's one, the first question is, what was the um, question or response that was most the best information for you? Uh -huh. And then how are you going to use it or something? And then you hit submit. What, then what's the face-to-face -face equivalent then, as far as the seat time, like a credit's normally what? Um, uh, PTSD credit is one credit. Like That's that. pretty standard. Ours is 15, too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the chats are kind of an interesting idea, and one of the things that, I, one last thing I might just share about the chats, because I know it's kind of the big thing around. The one thing that floored me the most when I went back to Utah, and I'm going to say something here that I told the Utah teachers, I said, come on guys, Wyoming's doing this, we got to step up. I had a little Utah pride here. And I said, they're doing it every Sunday night, we got to do one once a week to, to show, because I wanted to see, I saw the power of it here. 
And the biggest group that comes into ours every week are rural teachers. You would think that in Utah it would be a lot of the people around Salt Lake, right? Because that's where most people are. But it's actually quite the contrary. It's the teachers, like some of you have expressed, that are the only one in their building doing this. And they found it as a great resource for them to connect with others. And so, to me, it's a real win for us. I mean, we've done it now for a year, and I can't see, I can't even imagine it going away now at this point. So beyond, um, so beyond Twitter chats and some of those kinds of things, you know, one of the other tools, and I'm just kind of curious some feedback from you guys, what, what's your assessment of using tools to aggregate content like Pinterest and some of these other social media tools? Are any of you using Pinterest as a, as an education tool? I, I mean, I'll share how I've used it. I, I actually thought I was going to end up giving up my man card when I signed up for Pinterest. <laughs> but I was pleasantly surprised that Pinterest has so much content on it. Um, most of my boards are all about educational technology because that's what I teach. But I've, I've yet to find a subject that I can type into Pinterest and not connect with a person who is an expert in that subject. you want to share maybe your experience on it? Well, and it's not just for education. You can do any hobby, anything, like you said, any topic. My mom said she was interested in kitchen cupboards today. So I went on Pinterest and put in kitchen cupboards, and there came 6,000 pictures of kitchen cupboards. So, and But as a, I do the same thing. I have one board that's math, one that's writing, one that's reading, one that's Google, one that's just broad technology if it doesn't fit somewhere else and it's a like a filing system to get to when you need it later maybe I don't need this today but it's a great idea so in a month when I'm teaching that maybe I can go look at it well and years ago I don't know how many of you did this like I did I started out with uh, a Digo account or a Delicious account do any of you remember those tools oh yeah and I love those tools I still actually have the accounts but I just found that my audience had shifted. The teachers that I was working with, I would come into a training and say, how many of you have a Twitter account? 1% of the hands would go up. How many of you have a Facebook account? You know, 85 to 90% of the hands would go up. How many have a Pinterest account? Again, 85 to 90% of the hands would go up. And it just clued into me, if that's where my audience is, that's a, that's a space I've got to occupy. And so I really quickly shifted and took all my stuff out of delicious or at least moved it so i had it in both places well uh jason Neifer in montana yeah. uh, has a great metaphor for information trapping it's a good western metaphor yeah. you're gonna trap the information yeah. and you know delicious and digo used to be places i trapped but now i i trap in twitter but the the audience for that can be can be wider um and the net it's it's more it's building a bigger network I guess, but I. But that. What it, what it does for me is it answers the question. I know I saw that. I know yeah. I. I know I. Had, you know, had that link. But how do I get to it? So because I can go back and search for it, then I. I can find it again. Anyway, I think that's something that's a, a universal for us as teachers is as human beings. We need to be able to trap information and go back to it later, and we need a, a place to do that. So I don't know. Does it? I'll be interested in what other people use for that. Like, how yeah. how else do you all do that as far as when you find stuff? When you're finding content, how are you Where saving you put it? it? The problem I have when I start looking for something is so much of it. What I need is to be able to narrow it down to a specific filter. I want this. Right. I don't want this. I want this. And that's the 
that's how do you get that? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious for some of you. What are some of your answers when you're looking on the whole web and you want to narrow it down to a focus, right? What are some of your strategies for doing that? Uh-huh. So when I make this symbol, how many of you are doing this, right? I mean, I the, I think that's been so revolutionary in the last what handful of years. The hashtag symbol, oh, okay. you know, your Jimmy Kimmel or your Jimmy pound, pound sign, the pound sign, right? I haven't ever seen because the one thing that when I'm teaching Twitter or I'm teaching Facebook or some of these tools for the first time, most of my teachers have seen this symbol being made, but they don't really figure out what's the power of it. And the thing I always tell people when you're starting is, if you can search the hashtag and in a, in a social media site, that will start to narrow it down to the concept that you're looking for. For example, library media, right? I want to look for library media resources. So I put that in with the pound sign. Then, as I'm searching for all these resources, what you're going to find is not just the resources, but the people that shared them. Right? And so in most of those, now we've got the at symbol that's got the person's name after it. So I, I like what Wesley's saying about, you know, you're trapping... But I don't just trap the information. What else do I trap? The people. I trap the people. Because it's even more valuable to connect to the right? person. Because you could that, ask that them person shared that link, but yeah. all of a sudden I find that that same person keeps sharing really good stuff. I've got to have a way to connect with that person because that person's the resource, not just the link that they shared. And that's where I found that being, to me, that's the biggest thing about being a connected educator. You know, I love to say that it's more about people than it is about products. Whatever tool you use, I don't think it matters. I mean, you've heard a lot of Twitter talk in this discussion, but whatever it is that you use, if you've got a way to aggregate ideas but also connect with people, you're ahead of the game. You know, that's been a big thing. one big thing on Pinterest, too. You can't just pin it by the picture. You need to follow the link to see if it's really good because sometimes there's a picture there, but it doesn't go anywhere. It's just an image. There's not the information that you need. So I don't pin it till I know it's good because I don't want so much in there that when I need it, I have to sift through so much. Well, and the other thing that somebody was telling me recently that I really value is the more that you can, when you're aggregating your content, put it into smaller pieces instead of broader pieces. Let me share what I'm telling you. Like if I have a board that's called Google, and I actually do have a Google board, that's not as helpful as me having a Google Drive board and a Google, you know, some of the different parts. So you're saying sort of make a niche. The more that you can If I can focus customize on smaller, it a little bit. Smaller uh, topics. You know, because if you just said STEM, boy, that's pretty broad if sure. it's all of STEM. But if you have project-based learning with STEM or something like that, suddenly the people who are just jumping in for five seconds, they can they don't have to sift through a lot of stuff to see kind of your best stuff. So, well, I, I don't know what time it is. I mean, 5.25. So I don't know if we're going to get the boot. We can, I'm, I'm good to keep talking if you are. Uh, yeah, we're all still here. So um, I'm just kind of curious about, we've heard a lot of Don's success stories. Like, I'm curious about some of your questions that maybe you came to the session at with that maybe we could have some discussion about. I, 
I think we've covered a lot of the broad topic that I wanted to talk about, but I, I'd love to get specific if you have unique questions that you came kind of hoping to hear a little bit about. I have, I have one. Well, I don't know if it's probably not unique, but I got thrown into a teaching class I've never thought to teach. And I had to go online to find information So when I started looking for that, building my PowerPoints, how do you find PowerPoint information, PowerPoint drop-downs that you can just click and have you done a, a customized Google search for PowerPoint with the PPT extension? Yeah. So you needed to filter it even more. Yeah. Yeah, I did find some, some actually some really good stuff from trigonometry, but that was really the only place. But then there was that was enormous as well. Did you have you seen some of the open? We were talking about the Utah Open Education Resources that they've put together for their state. They've they've done a better job probably than any other state with the open education math resources, and so you can get the whole algebra one because algebra one is pretty much the same in Oklahoma as, as it is yeah. in Utah. So I mean that's a cor those are courses that tend to be pretty similar across state yeah, lines. Yeah, that that specific like we've done a partnership grant with NROC and they've given us all of their open education resource. I can't say all, but several of their open education resources for using. I mean it basically gives you like Wes said the course. And, and it has video modules and assessments and all that. Kind of and stuff. also virtual manipulatives yeah. and things. If your kids can go to the computer lab or they have devices, it's so that's uen.org. That's our website. If you haven't uen.org, yeah, you know Utah's kind of a, an interesting animal in a lot of regards. I get that, but um, one thing that Utah did a long time ago was when technology really started to build an infrastructure. Utah kind of said, rather than everybody doing their own thing, let's all pull together and do this together. And so over the last 20 years, that's something that we've been really good at, is pooling resources and finding ways to share them. Now with social media, and like I say, these tools that we've been talking about, it's kind of accelerated that even more. Yeah, you can find, what specifically what Wes is talking about, there's a, there's a page called the K-12 page for educators. And there's an option on there called um, Math Manipulatives from Utah State University. It's awesome. Yeah, tons of great stuff. And like he was saying, lots of interactives where you can take a shape and it's a three-dimensional shape and you can move it around and do a lot of fun things with it. Well, folks, I think I think we are going to get the boot here. But I hope I hope as you go through this conference today, think of ways that you can connect with other people that are here. Thank you for your yeah, thank you. Have you done Nuzzle? No. It's one I'm going to share in the good uh, session on discovering new ideas. But it takes your network. And you can say, in the last eight hours, what are the most shared links with my Twitter network or my awesome. Facebook? It's amazing. Crowdsources it. And then you can even have notifications. So I have mine set up so that if more than five people have shared a link, I get a text message. That's awesome. I don't want very many of those. But if yeah. five people have shared it's a pretty, you know, pretty good. Yeah, because the only thing that I've... You're listening to Fuel for Educational Change Agents, an audio podcast channel including a variety of audio recordings by and recorded by Wesley Fryer, published for educators worldwide interested in free audio-based professional development. This is a supplementary podcast channel complementing 
moving at the speed of creativity podcast, which typically includes longer and lightly edited or unedited audio recordings. Learn more and access these podcasts on audio.speedofcreativity.org. All content on this podcast is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 United States license.